welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, hey everybody, I hope you are well. It's great to have you here in our home. Uh, normally when Nikki and I lead, uh, we lead from the sitting room, which is just that way. But we, I figured since I was speaking to you, I'd speak from somewhere different. So welcome to our kitchen. It's great to have you with us. And I just want to start by saying how much we miss you and we love you. And we can't wait to be in a larger group setting with you where we can worship together and pray together and enjoy friendship and fellowship together. So we're starting a new sermon series this week called Thrive. You know, we are living in really uncertain times. It kind of feels like the world is shaking. And the future at best uh, is unknown and at worst is kind of frightening and foreboding. Many people are grappling with loss of income or loneliness or bereavement or fear or all of the above. And I guess the question is, how are we to respond as a church in these times? Well, the Bible was written by suffering people for suffering people. In its pages, uh, there are words to equip us not just to survive in uncertain times, but to thrive in them. Ephesians is a prison epistle written by Paul for circulation among the churches in a deeply pagan culture. And its main theme is concerned with the nature, character and destiny of the Christian church. And it's important as God's instrument of change in the world. As I've already mentioned, Paul was writing from prison in Rome in around the year AD 62. And he knew what it was like to be locked down, literally alone, save the company of a single Roman soldier who was there to guide him. And yet he used this time to write some of the most encouraging and challenging and inspiring letters. Letters that have shaped lives for centuries, uh, including this letter to the Ephesians. Ephesus was a major trading centre located near the western shores of modern day Turkey. And it had a population we think of around 225,000 people. Uh, We know from Acts that Paul visited Ephesus twice once for a short visit for around three months, followed by a second longest stay early the following year. And he was there for about three years, during which he established the church. In fact, uh, his time was so fruitful, we read in Acts 19 that the local silversmiths and tradespeople who were making money crafting and selling idols actually led a riot to get him banished because his ministry was so effective that it was damaging their trade. So let's dive in and have a look at a few verses in chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace in which 
he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now, if you're familiar with Paul's writing, you'll know that he often starts his letters with, in this way with some kind of uh, greeting statement, doxology, uh, and uh, in this case, without some of the personal greeting, suggesting that the letter was written to be circulated around the churches that he has established in Asia. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get a generic email, I tend to kind of speed read through the beginning of it to get to kind of whatever the main point is. They often start the same, hope you're doing well, hope this finds you well, hope you're okay, and and then it goes. Unless, and I guess that's kind of a nice way of starting an email, uh, occasionally it might say something like, congratulations, you've won, in which case I kind of take a little bit more notice of what it says. And often Paul starts his letters with what on the face of it can be a similar kind of greeting or eulogy. If you look at them, they in some ways look very similar, the different epistles and pastoral letters he's written. And if I'm honest, confession time, sometimes I can find myself slightly skipping over those sentences, a bit like I do in those kind of generic or marketing emails. But to do that would be to miss uh, what is often in Paul's letters written to set up the main themes that he wants us to know about in the rest of that letter. So let's just have one more read of that passage in Ephesians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Paul starts this letter written in captivity with an outpouring of praise. In fact, he's so effusive that in the Greek, the entire of the first 21 verses are actually two very long sentences. It's almost as if Paul is so overwhelmed by the thought of what he's writing that he can't quite contain himself. If I was to summarise that passage in one sentence, it would be this. You are blessed. You are blessed. And he says it twice in nine verses. And if we're speed reading or scanning over it like I sometimes do in one of those marketing emails to get to the main point of the email, I would have missed that. You are blessed, Paul says, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's as if he wants us to take hold of it, to live in the knowledge and revelation of it, because to know you're blessed, to live in the knowledge that we are blessed, is to change everything. So what does it mean? What does Paul mean when he says we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ? Well, I want to look at one verse. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be blameless in his sight. We are blessed before the creation of the world. He saw you and he saw me and he chose us. Before we had the chance to do anything to earn his choice or his approval or his love, he chose us. And more than that, he chose us in him. We did a whole teaching series on what it means to be in Christ. And I'd really love to encourage you to go back onto the website and to look it up and to look at that teaching series and to listen to it through because it's so important and so significant. It shapes so much. He chose us, not because of anything that we had done, not because of how spiritual we might appear, not because of the amount of money or time we might have given, how 
ever fantastic and generous and amazing that is. He chose us before the creation of the world because he saw us and he loved us. Wow. Before we'd done anything to earn it, he saw us and he loved us and he chose us. And in a world that can so often spend so much time uh, with us wanting to prove ourselves or validate ourselves by what we do, Paul says, he chose us. What a relief and what a blessing. If you're anything like me, I think hand on heart, there'll be times when you think, I know the theology, I know that's true, but in the words of the U2 frontman Bono, if you saw my heart, you'd spit in my face. If you knew my darkest thoughts and my secrets, you would know that that couldn't be true. I'm not worthy. But look at that verse again. For he chose us before the creation of the world to be blameless in his sight. He chose us in him to be blameless in his sight. What that means is because we are in Christ, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus in us. He sees the best version of ourselves, kind of with the wind in ourselves and the sun on our face. He sees us without the sin and the shame and the guilt. He sees the kind of us that we long to be. He sees us kind of a bit like the way that he saw Gideon when he said, arise mighty warrior to the person who was the least in their family and their family was the least in their tribe and their tribe was the least in Israel. He sees us the way that he sees Peter when he says, your name is no longer Simon, which means broken or bruised reed. You are Peter, which means rock. He sees us the way that he sees Zacchaeus when he says, hey, come down from that tree. I want to hang out with you today. He sees us like the father sees the prodigal son in Luke's gospel. You are blessed, I am blessed because we are loved, we are chosen, and in him we are blameless. I really want to encourage us not to rush ahead to whatever you think the main point of the letter is, because you may miss something important. Don't rush ahead in that email. Check the detail because there is so much truth, so much hope in it. Don't be like one of my friends who, uh, he got engaged and then a couple of weeks later when he was thinking, he was a student at the time, how am I gonna afford to take my wife on honeymoon? He won a holiday to the Maldives in a raffle. Uh, it was amazing. It was like all his prayers had been answered. At least he didn't have to worry about where he was going to take her or how he was going to pay to get there. So they were both super excited. The one thing that they did know, however, was that the Maldives are extraordinarily expensive. That food there is really expensive. So uh, they decided they, they would pack two suitcases. On one suitcase, he, they would pack all their clothes which let's face it, it's basically swimming trunks, a t-shirt and some shorts and a pair of shoes or sandals or whatever. And in the other, they would stuff it full of pot noodles and Earl Grey tea. So that's what they did. And they got on the plane and they arrived and then they got another plane and they were flown to this amazing island. I think it was 500 meters long and 200 meters wide. 
and it had little uh, cabins around the island and had a big restaurant in the middle and they said, well, we're definitely not going there. We will go there on the last night of our honeymoon and we will max out the credit card and we will have an amazing meal. But because we're students, uh, we're gonna we're gonna slum it if you can slum it in the Maldives. And so for 13 nights and days, they enjoyed sitting on the beach and reading books and they just enjoyed each other's company and the incredible scenery. And then on the last night of their honeymoon, they booked their table and they went to the restaurant. And boy, what a restaurant. Uh, just incredible and incredible food. That was so expensive. But they thought this is what it's for. This is what the credit card's for, as I said. So they basically had an aperitif. They had a starter. They had the most expensive main course. They had a dessert. They had a post-dessert dessert, whatever that is. They had champagne. They had coffee. They kind of, they had the whole full works. And then they, uh, the following day, they went to reception to settle up to pay the bill and, and my friend said well we've come to sell up and the receptionist said sorry and my friend said well we've come to settle our, our bill and the receptionist said there, there isn't a bill and my friend said no 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 we were at the restaurant last night and we uh we we just went a bit nuts and we spent a shed load of money and we know we need to settle the account now and the receptionist said and i quote did you not read the email um my friend will said what email and they said the email when you won the prize said congratulations you have won an all-inclusive trip to the maldives for 13 nights, they had set, sat on the beach enjoying pot noodles and Earl Grey tea when for 13 nights they could have been eating like kings and queens. All because my friend didn't read the email properly. He was so keen to get into the when they could fly and which island it was that he missed those three important words, all-inclusive holiday. It's a bit like if we rush ahead, we miss those three important words. You are blessed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this incredible passage where Paul sets out some incredible truths that are so full of hope. Thank you that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Thank you that we are chosen. Thank you that because we are in Christ we are blameless in your sight. We pray that as those truths sink deep into our hearts, they would change us, that they would set us free, that we would become the people that you made us to be and that we long to be. In Jesus' name.
Amen.